Well, amen, you guys can have a seat. And uh, just by show of hands, who in here enjoys like going to antique stores, thrift stores, maybe like antique yard sales? Okay, we got a few hands in the room. You see, my issue with, with these places is, number one, they're just chaotic. Like, I, I don't see any order in any of it, okay? But number two, I have a terrible eye for things that could be. Like, my wife is pretty good at, at, at seeing a lamp and like, oh, we could do something with that. To me, it just looks like garbage. But she can do something great with it. And in fact, I wanted to start today by, by sharing a story or two, because in 1989, a financial analyst bought an old country scene painting for $4 because he liked the frame. Getting home, you know, he, he, he liked the wooden frame, so he was taking apart the painting. Um, he was removing the, the painting from the frame. And, and, and getting home, when he tore back the painting, he noticed that between the painting and the wooden backing, there was a copy of a folded Declaration of Independence. And his friend said, just go get it looked at. I mean, it looks old, but like just, you know, people collect these things. Like, that's pretty cool. Go get it, go get it looked at. When the appraisal came back, he learned that the document was, in fact, a rare original Dunlap broadside, one of 500 official copies from the first printing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776. You see, the Dunlap broadsides were printed on the same night, July 4th, 1776, by order of Congress by John, John Dunlap, whose shop was near the corner of 2nd and Market Streets in Philadelphia just blocks away from the State House Independence Hall. It was estimated that around 200 copies were still were printed, and in 1989 we knew of about 25, and only two of the 25 were known to be privately owned. Well, two years later, the owner put the document in an auction, and it sold for a record $2.42 million. And then again in 2000, it was put up for sale again and sold for $8 million, where it started to do tours. It was no longer privately owned. People could go around and, and look at it. $4, because he liked the frame. Similarly, in March of 2006, we saw a smaller scale repetition of this experience when a guy named Michael Sparks was browsing a thrift shop in Nashville, Tennessee, and happened upon a yellow, shekeled, rolled-up document. When he opened it, he saw what it was, and the clerk said, yeah, it's $2.48. He went home and researched it, and what he had found and what he had bought was one of the 200 official copies of the Declaration of Independence commissioned by John Quincy Adams in 1820. He spent nearly a year authenticating it and conserving the document before selling it at an auction in March 2007 for $477,000. Now, what's interesting about this second story is the original owners were found. And what had happened was the previous owner had it hanging in his garage. And he was a collector of sorts. You know, he just, his, his garage got, got full, got busy, got too messy. And his wife said, we're taking some things to the thrift store. And this old painting or this, this old photo, this copy, like, like we're getting rid of all this stuff and so his wife made him take it to the thrift shop because it had just been hanging on his garage wall. Now, these are both true stories. You can Google them. You can see the verification. It's not just me making it up for the sake of a generosity message. But I do share this because we could easily see how one's man, one man's trash 
is another man's treasure. And I want to begin this morning with this question for you and for me. What do you treasure? Now, granted, you probably don't have something hanging on your garage wall that's worth $400,000. And when I go into a thrift store, I'm not going to be looking for, man, what, what in here could be worth $10 million? It's still going to look like garbage to me. Now, luckily, I'm married to Emily, who has an eye for these things. So, you know, maybe that lamp was, you know, in, in George Washington's home. Who knows? Did they have electricity back then? Who knows? I'm a pastor, okay, not a historian, okay, so. But today, as we continue our series back to the basics, doing just that, getting back to the basics of what it means to possibly follow Jesus even closer in 2022, we're going to be looking at what Jesus said about treasuring things. We're going to be looking at not my words and not uh, the guy who bought this Declaration of Independence copy, but what Jesus said about treasuring things. And so mainly as I've alluded to this morning, as we get back to the basics, today's topic is going to be on generosity. Now, this is not going to be a message where I say we want your money. So please, when we we hear money in church, some of us get kind of uncomfortable, and I'm not here to do that for the next little while. But I do believe that many of us, like, like me and Emily, we sometimes don't realize the treasure that we have in Jesus, much like the man who had something hanging on his wall that was worth $477,000. He did not realize what he had. And I think what God has given us to as children of the inheritance, as we await the return of our Lord, generosity is maybe not something that we do so much, but that God has done towards us. Because before we get to what Jesus said about treasure, Let's just start here and let's start with the simple fact that generosity is the character of God. Generosity originates with God. You see, when we open scripture, if we were to go to Genesis 1, what does it tell us? That in the beginning, God created. Now think about this. By definition of God, he needs nothing. He doesn't need anything to fulfill him. There is nothing that sustains him. He is the all-powerful, doing all things, holding all things. Yet, Scripture tells us from the very beginning that this same God created. He gives us breath, literal oxygen. He created moons and tides. He gives us seasons, which yields crops for food. He put the sun in the exact perfect place so that it did not burn us up or leave us freezing. All of us in here, no matter what you think about God or where you're at on following Jesus, we are all benefactors of the generosity of God. You see, this is why we said last week that this series is not going to be a command to do better, but an invitation to go deeper, because this is not for you and I to say, hey, let's continue to climb this religious ladder and do more so that God will have more favor upon us and so that he will love us more in 2022. That's not what we're doing. We're looking at the simple fact that all these basics originate with God, the God who is in all things, the God who created all things, and that generosity is an invitation to go deeper with him. And ultimately, as we get past the Genesis story and we see creation, and you and I in here this morning have breath in our lungs, and systems and processes are working within our body, we ultimately see that God would go past the sun and moon and stars and fish and mammals, but that God would give us a son who would save our souls. 
This is not our main text, but it'll be up on the screen, so just listen to this because we've heard it many times. John 3.16, this is what it says. For God loved the world in this way. He gave. He gave. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Besides the moon and the sun and the stars, Scripture is clear that God was so generous that he would send his son and it all starts with him. And this son who we just, right, we just went through the Advent season. We just talked about this. This son who would come as the exact imprint of God would walk around for 33 years and teach us some things. And today we're going to look at some scriptures where he teaches us about generosity. And as he teaches us about generosity, he shows us the character of God. Here's one example. Let's turn to the book of Mark. This is what Jesus is talking, he's, he's talking with his disciples and he's about to perform one of his miracles. This is just one example that we could point to millions, millions, trillions in scripture. Not really, but we could. Of the generosity of God, Mark 6, starting in verse 30. Just listen to this story. See if you catch the generosity. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it's already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. And then notice Jesus' response in verse 37. <laughs> you give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And then he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. And he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to the disciples and set before the people. He also divided the fish among all of them Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who were eating the loaves were 5,000 men. Jesus, in this story of generosity, like I said, just a small example of his disciples thinking rightly, we need to send these people into town because they, they, they need to eat. They had their right intentions. But Jesus challenging them like he does a lot of times, said, you give them something to eat. You do it. To which they rightly responded, so we'll go into town and buy them something to eat. But he said, no, 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 what do you have? What do you have to give them? And in this moment, the disciples were realizing, oh, truly this man is the Son of God, as he fed thousands. It's just an example of the generosity of Jesus. And as he teaches these things, and as he performs these miracles, we see 
the heart of generosity. But now where we will spend a little time today, and this is the last time I'll ask you to flip, I promise. The core of our message today will be centered in Matthew 6. If you do not own a copy of Scripture, uh, number one, it will be up on the screen. But if, if you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, we would love to give you one. We have plenty of Bibles in the lobby. Please go pick up one as our gift, our generous gift uh, to you. But Matthew 6, we went through this um, over the summer as we looked at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But I think if there's a passage that teaches us about generosity in our hearts and the hearts of God, we would do well to land here. And this is what it says starting in verse 19. Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. And then verse 21, you might have heard this before. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The context in which Jesus is teaching here is he is speaking to a group of his followers, not just the disciples, but many others. Jesus is speaking to them, and throughout this sermon, which is the most famous sermon by the most famous preacher, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the economy within the kingdom of God. What do I mean by that? Throughout this sermon, Jesus is teaching his disciples, this is what it looks like to live within the kingdom of God. Do you have enemies? Love your enemies. You ask us how to pray? Here's how you pray. How to fast? Here's how you fast. Do not judge others. And here in this section, Jesus is speaking about the kingdom and the subject of treasures. And before we go any further on this, because like I said, this is not just a message about us wanting your money. <laughs> I think we see this on the surface, is that God is far more concerned with your heart than your tithing habits. God is far more concerned with your heart than your tithing habits. The subject is not about money in this passage. The subject is not about tithing. And I promise you when I say this, that I do not care about your money. This church does not care about your money. But we do care about your heart. And this is what Jesus is getting at. You see, the heart is who we are. Who are you? At the core of your being, your heart, who are you? And this teaching just happens to link our hearts to our treasure. And if we were to jump down to verse 25, Jesus himself says you cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is linking this to money. But the topic here is not about tithing. But let's notice what he says in verse 21. After asking us or commanding us to not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth, but store up treasures in the kingdom of heaven, he kind of ends with this as he transitions. Verse 21, let's look back at it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I have good news for you today. Jesus knows way more about your heart than you do. Jesus knows more about who we are at our cores than we know about ourselves. And as Jesus speaks on the heart, he is the only one that can truly speak to an entire crowd and talk about the heart of man. And in this passage, I think we could all agree that as Jesus talks about treasures and our mind might go to treasure, we would all agree that what we truly treasure takes up most of our time, our energy, and money. As an example, 
I was bargaining with Emily the other day because, you know, my, my Washington football team is about to rebrand on Groundhog's Day, February 2nd. And I was bargaining with her, like, how much can I spend on the new merch? Because I've held, I got some Washington football gear, but like, that's just a dumb name. And like, I'm just holding off a little bit. I have tons of Redskins stuff, but like a little bit of, of Washington football team. But this new name is going to be the name that we have for the next 50 years if the franchise makes it that long. And I was bargaining with her, how much can I spend? And she said, I'd feel comfortable this amount. Well, what about this amount? And then we keep going back and forth, right? I can truly say that right or wrong, and it's probably wrong because they're a disaster, I treasure my sports teams. I put my effort, my energy, and my money towards those things. You in here as well probably have things that maybe it's cars, maybe it's online shopping, maybe I don't know what it is. Maybe it is your effort and your energy and your money and all the things that you can provide go to this thing. The heart always follows the treasure. You see, we sometimes think that our heart would just drift towards generosity. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is where you treasure or what you treasure, lift the rock and you will find your heart. Underneath all these things, you will 100% find your heart. And it's interesting that as we ask this question this morning, do you treasure Jesus this morning? What do you treasure? Do you treasure Jesus? Within this passage, Jesus does not say, give me your 10%. He says, give me your heart. Do you treasure Jesus this morning? Truly. Maybe your goal in 2022 is to grow closer to Jesus. Well, I think as we get back to the basics, this would be a good place to start by treasuring him. What do you mean by that, Adam? I'm glad you asked. Do you read his word? Do you treasure the scripture that we have? That as one man puts it, if you want to hear God speak, read scripture out loud. Do you treasure this? And, and guys, I promise you, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this to myself. Because when I wake up in the morning, my mind goes to what tasks do I need to do today? And it's lunchtime before I realize, man, I'm only reading this to, to prep a sermon. Do we treasure this? Do you pray to him? Do you pray? What does prayer have to do with treasuring him? When we pray to our God, as Jesus would teach in the Sermon on the Mount, we are recognizing that he is the one that sustains all things. And maybe you're in here today and you're like, yeah, I pray, but I only pray when I need something. So what? By you praying to him, you are recognizing nothing else, no one else, not anything under heaven can satisfy or help me in this moment like the Lord can. We treasure him. When we read his word, even if it's just a verse, we treasure him when we say that prayer, even if it's just over the meal. We treasure him in this way because our heart naturally follows the treasure. And when our treasure is Jesus, and maybe this morning we're just honest and we're going to say, no, it, it, it's not. But when we begin to, to allow our hearts to open up to that and truly treasure Jesus, and we understand who our God is, we understand this, and this is our big idea this morning, that generosity is a heart posture, not a dollar amount. 
Generosity is a heart posture, not a dollar amount. Generosity is a lifestyle, we could say. Generosity is just something that marks our life if we truly treasure Jesus. Are you a more generous person because Jesus has captured your heart? Would someone look at your life and say, he is a very, she is a very generous person? Maybe it's money, but maybe it's not. Maybe someone is just very generous with their time towards you. What is your next step today as we realize that generosity is a heart posture? Generosity is a lifestyle. Maybe your next step this morning is giving to citizens. Maybe you've been here for a while and you haven't necessarily taken that step to support the mission financially. Maybe that is your next step. Maybe your next step is to make gifts normal. What I mean by this is we're really terrible in our society, unless it's our birthday or like a wedding or a graduation, and then it's still kind of awkward. Maybe your generosity looks like giving gifts to one another when it's not their birthday. And maybe your next step is actually accepting those gifts as a, as a way to say, I appreciate your generosity. Maybe your next step is to pay for dinner next time you go out with friends or you go out with someone. Maybe your next step of generosity is to lend your tools and supplies to neighbors. One guy said, for a Christian to own something, don't own anything if you're not willing to lend it out. Maybe your next step is to, and, and this is something that we can all do, hold the door for strangers. Is that generosity? Maybe your next step in generosity is to actually give compliments and affirmations that you normally don't. As a church and as we go into 22, I want not just you and I to take next steps in our separate lives, but I want us to take next steps together. And so this morning, it's, it's, it's really exciting. I, I texted my buddy Grant, and you know he, he's preaching this morning at his home church, and we're like, man, we're, we're praying for you. But our next step of generosity, and, and it'll be on the screen, his graphic, um, we are starting this month giving $167 above our 10% to Renewal Church. Grant's heart is to come to some of the harder parts of Greensboro and start a church. Right now, would you pray for, for Grant and Alexis as they are hoping that their offer goes through on a house? Because they're, they're looking to move in March of this year, so they're, they're still looking for a home. And they've started to recruit a, a, a team and, and do these things, and they're looking to launch in early 2023. And so Renewal Church, Grant's hope is for a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. Greensboro is going to be better because they're coming. And so as a church, we want to say, hey, we can't give a lot, but we can give a little bit more this year. And so your generosity, truly, when, when we talk about giving to citizens, on top of our 10%, $167 a month is going to grant and renewal church right now. But maybe that's too far off for you. Maybe you're like, what about right now? I mean, what is, what is our next step? I alluded to it in the beginning of service. I just found out this weekend that one of the coaches of East Forsyth lost his home in a house fire. And they lost everything. Young kids, two boys, seven and 11 years old. And we as a church tonight at 6 p.m., whoever is interested, we're going to gather and brainstorm on how our generosity can go towards this family. And so let's just, let's, let's get prepared right now. We're going to be asking you for your money. 
We're going to be asking you for supplies. We're going to figure out what this, what this family needs and, and go for it. Me and Emily are going to be doing some soul searching of what can we give that is a sacrifice to this family. You and I have opportunities every day, small like holding the door, giving a compliment, or maybe large like supporting a church plant or helping a family rebuild their lives, and it happens through generosity. It's not a dollar amount. It's a heart posture. Whatever your next step is today, take it. My heart needs it. Your heart needs it. And finally, as we close today, and I know this talk about generosity can spark some anxious thoughts in our heart. I'm not ignorant to the thoughts of but what if. Maybe in your soul you deeply believe that you should help this family. But there's still that anxiety within your soul that says, but what if? What if we give too much and then something happens to our family? I mean, i got to be honest with you. The conversations that me and Emily had about what are we going to up our giving to this year sparked some like, dang, can we, like, can we give that much? How much like, what do we do? And notice as we close today that is, if we just go down in our scriptures a little bit, Jesus leaves us with this thought, not only can you not serve God in money, but he goes to something even more, the root of this issue of generosity, the root of maybe our lack of generosity and it's starting in verse, tw- verse 25 of, of Matthew 6. It'll be on the screen. But this is what Jesus says as we close. Therefore, I tell you, after talking about money and generosity and storing up treasures in heaven, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them aren't you worth more than they can you add one or one can you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying and why do you worry about clothes observe how the wild wildflowers in the field they grow yet they don't labor or spin thread yet i tell you that not even solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into a furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God, remember those treasures that we're storing up, and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. Do not be anxious about anything. Your clothing, your food, your money, your needs. And we may be tempted to read this passage as serve God and he will always provide for us. We may be tempted to read this And say, serve God and our bellies will always be full. Serve God and we will always have exactly what we need in the moment we need it. But I think as we read this passage, we number one have to think, all around the world there are faithful Christians who do not have enough food on the table or enough clothes on their back. Right now, we could say that family in Kernersville does not have food on their back or clothes on their table. They lost everything. So what is Jesus getting at as he teaches on not only store up treasures in heaven and then goes directly to the anxiousness of our hearts? You see, I think rather than the the, the promise in this passage is not 
serve God, and there will be blessing. That's not like outright false or bad. We can understand in here together that righteousness provides blessing. Proverbs teaches us about that. Wisdom in God is the blessed path. We can all agree about that. But I think more so what Jesus is getting at here is the gift is not your clothing or your food or your money. But the gift here is the promise that God will never take his eye off of you. Because notice, did the birds have shelter? Yes, because God saw them. Do the flowers get adorned each and every season? Yes, because God is the creator of seasons. And you and I within this passage, when we have this anxiety within our spirits of what if, what is going to happen? The promise is not, Adam and Emily, you will always have food on your table. The promise is that I will never take my eye off of you. That is the promise of Scripture, that he sees you and he knows your needs. God will never take his eye off of you. And it goes all the way back to the beginning where we see full circle that because he is a generous God and he created and he sustains, he will never forget about us. And even as a family in Kernersville are picking up the pieces of their lives right now, the promise, the promise to them is not that your house will not burn down. It's that when it does and you are devastated, there is a God who loves you immensely and who sees you in the chaos. That is good news for you and I this morning. Do we treasure Christ because he treasures us? Do we give this morning out of our God love me more? Or do we give this morning because he first gave and continues to give to us. We cannot outgive God. No matter what life brings, we can always be people of generosity because God will always see us. We said earlier that God is far more concerned with your heart than anything else. He's far more concerned with your heart when it comes to your money than your actual money. He's far more concerned with your heart than your tithing habits. Where's your heart this morning? Is your heart anxious? Is your heart greedy? Where is your treasure this morning? Do we treasure the things of this world where thieves break in, where they rust? Or do we treasure Christ and the things of his kingdom, the things that will never, ever go away, the things that will never, ever be stolen? Before you ever responded to God, he is responding to you in generosity. He can give you peace within your heart, and he can give you a generous heart. That is our prayer this morning, that you and I would have a more generous heart. I promise you, I, I need this this morning, because I can be a prideful, tight person. I put my money towards my treasures. That's easy. But I think God is asking us for more today, and in all of this, we will return back to just the heart of the Father, that generosity begins with Him, and that generosity is now our heart posture, because we have been benefactors. We are the beneficiaries of His generosity towards us. So whatever your next step is today, maybe your next step is to treasure Christ. That Jesus, right now, you're not asking for my 10%, you're asking for my heart. And I need to treasure you more. Help me treasure you more. This is not do better. 
This is go deeper. God who is inviting you to do that. Maybe your next step is to pay for lunch with the person you're about to go with after church. Maybe your next step is to leave a generous tip to the waiter or waitress. Maybe your next step is to start giving to your local church or up your giving in 2022. Whatever your giving is, it it doesn't start with citizens and it doesn't start with Adam. It starts with God. And he has been more than generous towards us. And that is our prayer that all of us would grow in this. Would grow in this generosity. Would grow in this heart posture that says we can give it all away because number one, God, you own everything. And you're never, ever, ever taking your eyes off of us no matter what that looks like. Generosity is a heart posture, posture, not, not a dollar amount.